the thing to think about is just like, yeah, how often are you anxious? How often are you depressed? How often are you frustrated? And that literally triggers the part of your brain that turns off creativity. Like that's what happens. Your brain's creativity turns off in those moments. And we're in that state for about 70% of our adult life. Welcome to the Creative Chats Podcast with Mike Brennan. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Creative Chats. It's the podcast for artists, makers, and content creators, where we talk about creativity, the creative process, and story. I'm your host, Mike Brennan. You can connect with me over on Instagram. I'm at MikeBone. And you can check out my work on my website, which is MikeBrennan.me. I'd also love to invite you to our online private Facebook group called Daily Creative Habit. It's a group for creatives who want to show up more consistently for their creativity and craft. If that's you, simply go to dailycreativehabit.com, and I look forward to seeing you in the group today. For this week's episode, I have my friend, Dr. Eugene Choi, the first doctor, I believe, on this podcast. And we're talking about uh, science and the brain and creativity. Uh, It's a very different episode. And actually, I am uh, dividing this up because it was such a great conversation I'm dividing this up to two episodes, part one and two. This week is part one, and we talk about uh, some pretty amazing things, things that happen below the surface that many of us are not really aware of. And as creative people, things that are guiding our journeys, our decision-making process, um, things that are affecting us as far as how we show up for our creativity, and if we do, um, important things like how most of the time we're living in this state of response of, you know, flight or fight or fighting um, and how we need to become aware of what's happening internally and then start to rewire some of that stuff and start to train ourselves, um, not only to be aware, but then to think differently, respond differently Um, figure out how to come from a place of safety so that creativity can truly show up. And uh, I just absolutely love this conversation. It was so insightful. I mean, I was in it and I feel like I need to go back and and take some notes. So you may want to give a listen and then go back and uh, for a second time and highlight some things. I know that it's going to bring some things to the surface for you, uh, perhaps reveal some things to you that are aha moments and really want to encourage you to take the time to process that and um, make sure that you reach out to Eugene, make sure you follow his uh, podcast that he mentions at the end of the episode and get around him because this stuff is pretty deep and it can be heavy, but it can also be life-changing. So uh, I'm going to be having some more of these kind of conversations that have to do with creativity and mental health. And You know, these are the conversations that I'm having with fellow creatives around me. And so I think it's a really important topic and it's something that uh, is very timely for us. So without further ado, here is my creative chat with Dr. Eugene Choi. Well, Eugene, welcome to the Creative Chats podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. You are actually, I think, the first official doctor on this podcast. So congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate it. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Dude, man, I'm so excited to talk to you today because, um, you know, seriously though, uh, most of the time I'm talking to fellow creatives who are coming more from the space of like, 
you know, I'm passionate about creating art. I'm a passionate about, you know, creating whatever it is that I'm doing and more in the, the heart uh, meaning, significance, you know, that space, not necessarily backing up conversation with a lot of science and data um, to support like what's happening kind of even on a level, maybe that we're not even aware of most of the time, you know? Right. So um, I love that we're going to get into some of that stuff. Uh, but before we dive too deep, why don't you, for the sake of the listeners, just give us like the little snapshot of who you are, what you do. Yeah, so my name is Dr. Eugene K. Choi. I'm a licensed clinical pharmacist, and I've transitioned uh, into filmmaking, and now I'm doing full-time coaching. So I coach a lot of leaders and entrepreneurs, and like you said earlier, I show them how to use um, basic neuroscience to improve their creativity, improve their create, um, critical thinking skills, their problem-solving skills, and the list just goes on uh, because there's this is an actual skill you can develop to turn on that part of your brain at will. Mm, love that because I think so many times people think, well, I'm not creative because I'm not, you know, I can't draw, I can't paint, I can't dance or, you know, you know, play a musical instrument. And so they go to the obvious expressions of that stuff. But right. I always believe that everyone's creative in some way. And like you just yeah. said, that that's a, that's a, that's a muscle, right? It's something that you, you flex and you learn to grow and, um, and, and develop that so that it right. can be a bigger part of your life. Um, and that's the stereotype. We're yeah. creating all the time. It doesn't yes. have to just be paintings or, right? You're, you're creating things every single day, right? Whether it's a, a, a dish you cook, right? Or a project yeah. you're managing, right? At work. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Like, I just find, I totally agree with you there. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious. Uh, I like to ask this of my guests sometimes. If, was there something in your childhood that, was a moment where you were like, yeah, you know, I'm a creative person. Uh, maybe it was an activity or a certain thing that you found yourself doing that it, it told you that, yes, I am in fact a creative person. Yeah. I used to play a lot of guitar and uh, I used to actually write songs. Um, nice. my, my original college uh, degree I was about, I was applying to was to be a audio engineer, the people who uh, record music in the studios and stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I actually view myself as a creative, even though I have a healthcare background. The only reason I went to healthcare was because of um, the the Asian American dream, uh, which is you know <laughs> become a doctor, lawyer, <laughs> accountant. Right. And I chose pharmacist because it's less years uh, in terms of school, uh, and the salary is pretty good. So um, yeah, and then right after I transitioned out of pharma, I quit pharmacy to become a filmmaker too. So um, yeah, like I, I do identify myself as a creative. I do have a big creative side to me. Yeah. So you mentioned filmmaking. What does that look like now for you? Yeah. So when I quit, when I first quit my job, that was my first big leap. I left behind New York City uh, to join this group of people that were making videos on YouTube. And uh, we were just creating inspirational content that were short films. Uh, I, I wore all hats. So I was writing, I was doing the screenwriting. I got to screenwrite for a celebrity and I uh, was doing directing, producing. I produced a project for Jeremy Lin. He's an NBA basketball player. And um, we found a lot of cool exposure uh, and success there, right? The biggest project I worked on got 23 million views online. Um, and that channel currently is at over 7 million um, subscribers. And I, I stopped that because we ran out of money. Uh, I think a lot of creatives can relate to this, right? Yes. I was doing it full time for a year, uh, about a year and a half. And then uh, the bank account hit like five bucks. Um, so I stopped uh, the filmmaking stuff. And long story short, as time progressed, 
um, I had that moment of like tail between my legs, like, oh, I failed. Um, but I realized I actually don't like the act of filmmaking. So for example, that video that hit 23 million views, it took me seven months to edit it. Oh, wow. Um, so when I was when I was looking back on it now, I was just like, what was it that I loved so much about filmmaking? Um, it was because of the storytelling, right? Mm -hmm. Where as adults, we love to sit in a dark room at a movie theater and watch, essentially be told a story for two hours, right? Yeah. Or, or 90 minutes to two hours. And we love it because it's about a character that goes undergoes a phenomenal transformation. And that's when I realized, oh, that's what attracts us to great stories is because we crave that same transformation ourselves. So that's how it transitioned from filmmaking to coaching, because I was trying to study, I was, how do you make this happen in real life? That transformation we're desperate for when we're watching a great story, how can you make this happen in real life? And that's where neuroscience comes into the picture. It's just like, well, did you know your brain's wired a certain way? You can learn how to train your brain, reprogram your brain, right? All the bad habits and whatnot that yeah. keep you stuck. Um, so that's how it's evolved over time. Now my healthcare background came full circle uh, with my creativity and it kind of merged together. Uh, and I learned a lot about marketing through the filmmaking stuff with multiple viral content. Uh, so I'm able to explain it in a way where it's, it doesn't sound like I'm throwing a bunch of jargon at you and it's confusing. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's, that's a big value of mine to be able to make it easy to understand and most importantly, easy to implement so that you actually experience the results you're looking for in your life. Yeah, I love that you know, you, you describe this as it's these, these different parts that all kind of came together yeah. in that moment. And it wasn't like, Oh, I was doing this over here and now this is wasted, right? This is, you know, I don't really know what to do with this part of my life. Um, but yet all these things fed into the the path of where you were going and what you're doing and, um, seeing that probably, you know, that story, as you mentioned, play out in your own life, recognizing those things and then going, okay, now I want to help other people, with that as well. Um, that's huge, you know? Yeah. I mean, looking back on it, I mean, I definitely had those times where I was in misery going like, what, what am I doing with, all yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. Right. And, um, yeah, everything did come full circle. It, it was pretty amazing how my healthcare background came right back when I left behind my healthcare background. So, um, yeah, totally agree with you. Everything came full circle. Um, and, and that's kind of like the creative process, isn't it? Sometimes it's just, you have yes. to be willing to just stay in that unknown area, that uncertain area, and then inspiration comes, finds you. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, like I mentioned, you know, a lot of people listening to this podcast, they may be not really thinking about these things on a, on a regular basis, as far as like the science of, of their brain and, and what's happening, um, you know, below the surface, if you will. Why do you think it's important for specifically creatives, because we're talking about that, you know, as a, as a, a topic, but why do you think it's important for creative people to understand this and to start to think about this? Like what, what yeah. help could that offer? Absolutely. So creativity, um, if you look at it from a brain, like a scientific perspective for a moment, right? One of the things to understand is in order to activate your creativity, you have to feel safe. If that makes sense. If you feel unsafe in whatever way, your creativity turns off uh, because your brain's in a self-protective mode, right? So it, it brings up this question of like, okay, is it possible to activate your creativity at will? So I think a lot of creatives can relate to what people would term the flow state. You know, mm -hmm. those moments in your life where you're just creating and uh, you lose track of time, you lose track of your body, you lose track of your environment, and you're just so engaged in that thing. And uh, there's different labels for it, but it feels amazing. 
And it brings up this question when I discovered the science, I was just like, oh, shoot. Like you can turn that on at will if you choose, if you learn how to do it. Does that make mm. sense? So that yeah. your creativity continues. So when you're creative, your brain is basically just open, if that makes sense. And what I discovered about the science, the way I like to explain it is this, because this is the pillar of how I explain it to everyone. It turns out your brain's only ever in one of two states, okay? It's either what's called a survival state. And a survival state is where your brain feels threatened. So if a tiger's in front of you about to eat you, your brain will go into a survival state. The thing to know about a survival state, you're reacting without thinking. You don't feel creative when you're feeling threatened, right? right. You're, you're going, oh, shoot, like, how do I protect myself here? I'm about to die. Uh, so that's a survival state where your creativity gets shut off, okay? And the other state is what's called an executive state. This is where your creativity comes from. So the big realization I had, the big problem is that research shows that we're in the survival state for at least 70% of our adult lives on average. Wow. Not because your life's actually in danger, but what you're actually surviving from are feelings that don't feel good, such mm -hmm. as anxiety, frustration, anger, depression. So your brain automatically views these feelings that feel uncomfortable as a threat. So boom, your survival state kicks in. It's a reactive response. So the main thing to know though, is because we're, so the, the, the thing to think about is just like, yeah, how often are you anxious? How often are you depressed? How often are you frustrated? And that literally triggers the part of your brain that turns off creativity. Like that's what happens. Your brain's creativity turns off in those moments. And we're in that state for about 70% of our adult life. So that was the big, holy crap moment for me. Yeah. And I can see why this is true. So, and then it, it started this journey of, well, if that's the case, can we just like you can go to the gym to get your muscles stronger? Is there a way to get the brain stronger so that you can access your creativity even more? And the answer is yes. So that's, that's kind of what I've discovered was the big, the big thing around creativity. And because creativity is what solves problems, if you think about it, mm -hmm. right? The biggest leaders out there, when you're feeling stuck, it's you need your creativity to come up with new solutions, innovative yeah. ideas. And I, I think it's the, the core, what is the word? It's like the core currency we need in the world is creativity, if you think about it, right? All of the amazing things is a result of creativity. I mean, some dude had to sit there and be like, hmm, I wonder what it would taste like if I took some dough, added some mozzarella cheese on it and some, and some marinara sauce. And we'll call it pizza and taste yeah. it. Someone actually created it. So, um, but if that part of the brain is turned off for a majority of adult, our adult life, that's my mission is like, if, if we can just help turn that on a little bit more, what would the world look like? Yeah. Okay. So that begs the question of, so what do we do? You know, yes. we're, we're, we're faced with this information, especially as creative people. Maybe there are professional creatives, right? Who are making their living from creativity. Yes. And if 70% of the time they're not able to really access the thing that they actually need to make their living and to feel alive, exactly. what do you do in light of that? Yeah, hundred percent. So I bring people through a process. So the first thing that's most important as a part of this process is awareness. Most people don't even see it. Hmm. So when you see it, you have this moment of this feeling of like, you've just gotten pulled out of the matrix. The things that you thought were real, you're finally seeing it's not real. So what do I mean by this? So 
if you don't know what's actually causing the survival state, you're not going to be able to change it because awareness is so important. I always say, if you have a piece of broccoli stuck between your teeth, how do you have the power to remove it until it comes into your awareness, right? Whether it's someone pointing it out to you or you see it in the mirror. So the first thing to be aware of is what a survival state actually look like. It's really obvious when your life's in danger. If a tiger is in front of you about to eat you, it's what's called a fight, flight, freeze response. Right. Yep. You're either going to try to pick up a weapon to fight or figure out a way to defend yourself and fight, or you're going to run for your life in flight, or you're going to freeze and play dead. That's what freeze response is, right? Opossums are famous for doing this because their predators like their food alive. So opossums play dead and the predator goes away. The threat goes away. However, when it comes to our daily lives, if we're surviving from emotions like anxiety, stress, frustration, fight, flight, freeze still happens. It just looks a lot different. So what do I mean by this? What does fight look like? The obvious ones are like, if someone says something hurtful to you and you get offended, now you're ready to fight back, right? You're, you're arguing. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. a fight response. Or, you know, you and I are from the East Coast. If you see road rage, <laughs> that's, that's a classic fight response where you just flipped your lid. You're trying, you got cut off. You're trying to cut the other person back off and you're not considering the safety of the people around you and you're driving recklessly. That's a fight response. Where fight response gets even more subtle and insidious, where it's 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 still a fight response, is such a the need to prove yourself. Mm. Right, I need to be good enough. I need to be validated. I fight to become validated. Uh, that comes from a place of pain. Like one example is I had this client once had everything you could dream of. He had the dream house, multi-million dollar business. He was in his sixties and he's going, why am I still so unhappy? And I'm talking about this fight, flight, freeze response. And he has this moment of realization going, oh my God, my whole life was a fight response. The fight to prove myself, the fight to be good enough because everyone always compared me to my older brother. His older brother was an NFL football player. Mm. And even his coach to the point where even his coach says, you don't even try. His football coach was like, stop trying. You're not, you're never going to be as good as your brother. So think about that. Yeah. You fight hard to be validated. You, you, you make more money, you fight to achieve more accomplishments, but that always, always leads to burnout and a lack of fulfillment. So if there's a need to be right, a need to prove yourself. And sometimes for people, they're going, yeah, I'm proud of that. It's that whole hustle culture. Yep. But if you look a little bit more deeply, it's just like, why are you fighting so hard? It usually is a reflection of you not accepting yourself the way you are. You don't like who you are. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, so totally. Fight to try to get rid of that discomfort. So that's what a fight response looks like. It's pretty deep, right? Yeah, <laughs> big time. <laughs> that's a fight response. And then there's flight. Flight is you run away from the feeling. How do we do this? Uh, we procrastinate. That's a classic response. We procrastinate. Uh, it's, it's a self-soothing mechanism. Because we're fleeing from the risk of, if I do this thing now, what if people judge me? What if I don't do it good enough? What if I'm not ready? I'm not, it's all these beliefs and thoughts that come in that trigger us to use procrastination as a self-soothing mechanism, right? And then there's the classic, you just run away from people, right? If, if there's a person you don't like at work, you avoid them like the plague, right? Or like an ex-partner <laughs> or whatever, you don't want to see this. So that's a classic flight response. Uh, where flight response gets uh, deeper, is when you start numbing yourself. So we intentionally distract ourselves to avoid feeling the feeling we don't wanna feel. So what does this look like? Some people uh, binge watch Netflix. Some people uh, eat a tub of ice cream. Some people overindulge in things like alcohol, sex, drugs to the point of addiction. So these are all a flight mechanism. I think the main thing I wanna say first is there's no judgment around any of this because we all do it. 
by the way, right? We all have our numbing mechanisms. We all have our fighting mechanisms. And lastly, there's freeze. Freeze is just inaction, not taking action, right? When you're depressed, you wake up in the morning, you just don't want to get out of bed. You just freeze. Or if you get caught in a lie, right? Your eyes widen up and you literally try to play dead. Your brain's going, man, if I pretend not to exist, maybe this person will stop questioning me, right? whether it's your <laughs> boss or, or whatever. So um, that's, a, that's a freeze response. And it also happens when we're overwhelmed. We just stop taking action when we're too overwhelmed with too many things to think about. So when you look at all of that, the thing to realize is we do these things without thinking. You mm. see what I'm saying? Yeah. We're reacting without thinking. And sometimes it's hard to see that because we feel like it's our conscious brain doing it, but it's our programmed brain doing it. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. because the brain's in the survival state, you're just doing it without thinking. So no matter how much willpower you use, the programming will win because it's a reaction without thinking. Just like if you see a snake on a path when you're walking, you will jump without telling your body, jump. We have the same survival mechanisms to our emotions. Right? You will fight to work harder. Some people overwork. Working, by the way, can be a fight response, overworking. And it mm -hmm. can also be a flight response. Some people flee to their work to avoid the rest of their life. Right? Yeah. Um, so that's the thing to look at first is awareness. Is If you can see this, you, you start to have this experience like where you're pulled out of the matrix. You're going, oh my God, I am doing all of those things without thinking. I can see how it's a survival mechanism versus me actually being in that executive state. Is that making sense? Totally. Wow. And that's step one. <laughs> yeah, and that's pretty huge, right? Because <laughs> yeah. even that alone, I mean, you could camp out on that for such a long time. You know, I'm thinking about it, even when you were talking about how like work can be that thing that you, you, you know, um, escape to, um, even creativity. And if that's what your livelihood is, that could be the thing because that's work, right? Um, it can seem like you're still being very creative even in the face of all these things, but yet the thing that's driving you towards that creativity is the thing that you need to actually examine and say, why? Right. Where is this coming from? What's the source of that? And so right. I think that digs at something really deep, what you just said yeah. there, you know? Well, the state of, the thing to define with creativity is the state of creativity feels a certain way people mm. people try to box it into like i'm a i'm an artist i'm a you know what i mean like yeah but the state of creativity is a certain feeling and it feels amazing right so the what is the word the uh the suffering artist the starving artist yes yes that mm -hmm. is that is not a creative state right that is right. a state of suffering where your creative your creativity is actually turned off and that's the thing to examine is if we're able to see this, you're right, because when I give presentations, I talk about this, like it's, it's, it gets very quiet at the end of the conversation. But people are <laughs> yeah. basically what I'm inviting you to do is question your whole life, the reality of your whole life. And it, maybe it wasn't what you thought it was. And that's the invitation that I give to people. Because if, if you're able to see that 70% of our adult life, we're in that survival state. Just from having this conversation, can you see it, whether it's in yourself or people in your life? Yeah. There are some people spending their whole lives in survival, fighting to be validated or running away from a certain feeling because of an experience they had in their life. Mm. And the bottom line thing is if you want to access that deep creative state, that flow state where you, it feels timeless, it feels amazing, that's, that's what creativity really is. It's this state where you can get access 
to all of these things, all of this information that helps you kind of put things to, together and create something really beautiful. But what's important to understand is if you can't access that state if you don't feel safe, because if you don't feel safe, guess which part of the brain turns on? It's your survival state. And we feel unsafe for so many reasons. I'll, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll just give a couple. It could be because of society. You watch the news, what kind of stuff's on the news? It's about shootings, yeah. dramatic politics, uh, like all of the pandemic, obviously. And it makes you feel unsafe. So it's going to trigger your survival state. Therefore, your creativity gets turned off. Mm. And what else? Culturally, right? Maybe our parents, your parents had expect certain expectations of you, or you had you felt you needed to be a certain way to be accepted by people or whatever. That makes you feel unsafe. And relationally, too. You know, they did this survey once. Uh, on a group of people, and they asked a simple question, who's got your back? 55, no, 60% of the people said nobody. Wow. 55% of the people that said nobody were married. Oof. So it just goes to show how unsafe people feel even in their own home. Yeah. And what does that do for your creativity? Yeah. Shuts it off. Mm. So it's very important to feel safe because when you feel safe, you're just open to anything. Right. You're in a part of your brain. Now your critical yeah. thinking centers are turned on. Your creativity is turned on. Your empathy is turned on. All these amazing things. So that's the first thing is if we can't see it, how do we, how do we fix it? So yeah. That's what I do first is just, let's just look at it. Can you see all of the fight, flight, freeze behaviors that we live in? Maybe if you're listening right now, maybe you've noticed or you just came to the aha moment going, oh shoot, that thing I was so proud of that me being a hard worker, maybe it is a fight response because I didn't feel accepted by whoever, dad, mom, friends. You see what I'm saying there? Yes, totally. Yeah. That's the first phase is just having this moment, this space to just be aware. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> how, many, how many steps are there in this? <laughs> the, all that intense? <laughs> right. So the second phase is just training. It's, 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 I take the science to show you how to use the science to actually rewire your brain so that you can be in this executive state more. And it's a muscle. So there's a couple of ways I do this. So I can talk about a couple of things. So um, we'll start with number one is, is, Sorry, let me backtrack for a second. There's two big buckets at a high level to look at it from. So there's short-term work. It's kind of like, what do I do now, right? And mm -hmm. in because when you're in survival, you're in survival. You're reacting without thinking. When you're in that argument already, you've already flipped your lid, right? So uh, there's short-term work that we can use as tools and resources to help us kind of just snap out of that survival state. And then there's long-term work because long-term work your brain becomes programmed because of your unique life experiences. There's research that shows by the time you're about 35 years old, your brain becomes 90 to 95% subconscious. What does that mean? It's on autopilot. So your, your thoughts on, are on autopilot. Your belief systems are on autopilot, even though it might not be a true belief, right? I'm not good enough runs automatically in your brain by the time you're 35 on a daily basis. So it's a result of all of your unique life experiences you've had whether it's a trauma that happens. So it forms this programming in your brain to create a certain reality in terms of your belief system, your perspectives. So that's the long-term work is to shift that because a lot of the things we might've thought were real, it usually isn't if it's causing a lot of sur survival state, if that makes sense. Yeah, and we totally. can go deeper into that kind of stuff later if you want. But uh, we'll start with the short-term stuff. The short-term stuff, uh, I'll, I'll talk about two things that are easy, easy tools. Number one is uh, just labeling your emotions more often. So what do I mean by this? It's I'm feeling sad. 
I'm feeling anxious, whether you say it out loud or whether you say it in your mind. Labeling your emotions is a really powerful exercise short-term wise because uh, there's actual research around this. I'll just show the research. Uh, UCLA did this study where they had this group of people uh, tied brain scans to their heads and they would show pictures of people's faces in survival state, right? Frustration, anger, anxiety, fear, all those feelings that basically don't feel good. As soon as they showed the photo, the brain scan picked up that the part, the survival brain, it's called the amygdala. It's, it's these two almond sized pieces in the back of your brain for those who are, want to geek out about that, but it's called your amygdala. And that's where your survival state comes from. Your fight, flight, freeze response turns on immediately when they saw these photos. And what, what was interesting was when the researcher would ask the participant, Hey, can you tell me what emotion is here on the photo? And it's easy to identify, oh, that's fear, that's anger. As soon as they labeled that emotion, guess what happens? Survival brain turned off, executive brain turned on. That's the part your creativity comes from, remember? Yeah. So why does that happen? To label something, you have to think about it. Remember, right? Because if yeah. you're in a survival state, you're literally not thinking. Because if you're in front of a tiger that's about to eat you and you start thinking, you're dead. So simply by just taking a moment to label the emotion. Oh, I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling uh, frustrated. I'm feeling anxious. It actually calls on your executive brain to turn on. So that's one thing I train people with is just get, get used to doing that. Uh, and for people who have trouble labeling their emotions, I just tell them to Google what's called an emotion wheel. There's like this wheel with a ton of different emotions, mm -hmm. just so that you increase your emotional vocabulary. Oh, I'm feeling frustrated. Oh, I'm feeling anxious. Oh, I'm feeling disappointed. And when you label your emotions more often, you're actually activating that part of your brain that your creativity comes from. So that's one tool I give to people that's really easy to think to do, right? It's, it's, it's not yeah. rocket science. You just label your emotions. Uh, the second thing, it's, it's, it's more cliche. We hear it a lot, but it's taking deep breaths. And there's a scientific reason behind it because at the bottom of your lungs where your diaphragm is, you have something called your parasympathetic nerves. Your parasympathetic nerves, if you remember from biology or anatomy, you have just like your brain has a survival state, executive state, so does your body. Uh, and that comes from your nervous system. So we have two parts of our nervous system, parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system. Sympathetic is the, view it as the gas pedal and parasympathetic view it as the brakes. It slows your body down. So your sympathetic turns on if your life's in danger, right? Your heart's beating faster, your lungs breathing faster. So when you take these deep breaths, because if you feel like your life's in danger, you're taking rapid breaths. So when you consciously take a deep breath, it's like signaling to your body, hey, we're not about to die. We're okay, you can calm mm. down so that your executive state can turn on. Because if your body is in a survival state, because your body is the first thing to react to information, by the way, right? So if you see a rattlesnake on the road, you're, that's why your body jumps without you telling your body to jump. So your body, when you take these deep breaths, these it tickles the parasympathetic nerves at the bottom of your lungs to calm your body down. That's why people always say, take a deep breath. Uh, and there's two styles that I usually recommend. One's called box breathing, which is just a five second inhale. You hold the breath for five seconds and then you exhale for five seconds. You're taking these nice, slow breaths. So even if you do it for like 30 seconds, a minute at a time, it's activating the executive part of your brain, which is where your creativity comes from, right? So uh, that's one type of breathing. The other type of breathing, uh, they actually did live scans of this while they did this type of breathing and they watched the body enter into that executive state, like relaxed, oh, uh, wow. which is you take one big inhale and then you inhale again and then slow exhale. So those are the two styles of breathing you can choose from. And it's just deep breathing. 
And those, that really just helps activate that executive state of yours so that you're in that creativity more often. So that's, mm. that's short-term wise, something to think about as a tool right. or a resource to do and, uh, and make, I tell people to make it a game because it's, it's fun where it's just like when your friend's flipping their lid, <laughs> you're going, <laughs> oh, there's that fight response he has because he's very, he hates being wrong or she hates being wrong. So she's in that fight mode again now. So she's not thinking, she's just reacting. Or if, yeah, when you're noticing it on other people or in yourself, um, it's a game changer. Mm-hmm. Because this yeah. is what it traces down to. Because then you can get to the core of the issue, which is, well, hold on. If you're in the survival state so much and your life's not actually in danger, what are you surviving from? Thanks for listening today. I'd appreciate it if you would subscribe, leave a rating and a review. It really helps this podcast be seen and heard by others. <laughs>